in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, and um, this section that we're going to be in, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6, and it talks about death. That's the focus, and so it's a real, right in the middle of Advent and Christmas, a real cheery uh, topic for us today. Very potent, a very important uh, topic, though, for us to talk about. Um, death, death in its own way was very formative for me. Um, I... Uh, a lot of y'all have heard part of this story, but I never knew my father. Uh, my father died uh, when I was two months old of leukemia. And so in a, in a strange way, I always lived in the shadow of, uh, of, his, of his death. Uh, there, were, there were things about, about his, his death that were mis- just uh, not mysterious of how he died, but just about who he was and how he lived and, and why he died at such an early age. Now, to me, when I was a kid, 33 years old, that was old. Uh, you know, that was old to me. Um, but now at uh, 41, uh, it's pretty, pretty darn young. Um, but uh, at the age of 33, for me, was a watershed year. Um, at about 30, 31 years old, I'm, I'm looking ahead. I'm seeing that, that, that that's coming down the pike. And uh, though leukemia and something traditionally that is passed on genetically, uh, still it was in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, my father died at 33 years old. I, I wonder if I'll make it past it. And so, um, so what it did is it stirred a lot of things within me to think through what is my life about? What am I living for? What is, what is life? Because death is just, it's a doorway, uh, is what we talk about as Christians, but it certainly is the end a part of a story, so I'm thinking, man, what if, what if, what if at age 33, I mean, that's, that's it for me, and, and a lot of those, those years right there were formative in the vision for planting this church. God used it, uh, and my prayer is today, twofold, first of all, my prayer is, is that, I, I'm, I hope that you guys will join me in this, my prayer is that within our two services today, that we see two people convert to Christ today. Is anybody in here that you would just believe with me that two people today will come to Christ in faith and saving faith and hope today and pray with them? Just as, we, as we're going along, just pray, say, oh, God, save somebody today, save somebody today. And, I, and, it, and it might be, you may be the one that's in here today, that, that God tips you over, and if so, man, we'll, we'll just throw a party. Uh, and uh, we, we expect, expect that. Uh, but the other thing is that you will walk away today thinking, thinking about death, not in a way that, it, that you're left hopeless or in a place of condemnation, but in a place of, of genuine thoughtfulness. That you think, okay, what, what if? And, and you analyze, okay, where am I and where am I going? And, and what if my life ended up being cut short, more short than I would have imagined? And, and what would happen? Uh, I, I know I was asking the question, was I really living my life well I ask my questions, what regrets would I have if I died at 33? I mean, because I'd been, at 33, I'd been married for, um, for 12 years at that point. And um, so it's like, okay, what regrets would I have? Um, and so for me, that was about two years in the future at that point. I mean, today, if you imagine, okay, two years, two years from now, whatever your age is, two years from now, if that was your death date, what kind of regrets might you have? If, if your path doesn't change, if, if, you don't, if you keep walking the way that you are walking now, what regrets might you have? Let's pray. God, I pray that you would come with a, just a tremendous 
presence today, Lord, uh, that you would bless us with yourself. Uh, we pray that you would bring conviction to all of our hearts, God, that you would show us where there's, where there's waste of our lives, God, where it is that, um, that we're, we're playing games, where it is we're, that we're in rebellion, God, that we're rejecting you and just choosing our own, our own way. I pray that, Lord, every one of us today will, will have a, a point of, of conviction and repentance today, Lord, and especially any of our friends that have never come to faith in Christ, Lord. Uh, we, we pray for that, and uh, pray that you bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes 9, 1 to 6, um, verse 1. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. All right, if you're new, you, if you're new to us, um, we are walking through the, the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, written by who's called the teacher or the preacher. Somebody call, some call him the pro- philosophy professor. Um, uh, historically, most, most scholars think that it's Solomon uh, who was writing this. And he, is, he has been helping us uh, to look at life and to be able to see that there's, there's all kinds of mysteries, there's all kinds of frustrations in life. And one of the great, what well, he'll call an evil, but it, because it's just, he's saying it's the, the height of travesty that, that, that death occurs and that it, it, it happens to all of us, to every one of us. And, uh, and so he, he starts out just saying here how everything is in the hand and the hand of God. And he's not saying that the deeds of people, the things they do, are the cause of God, especially not sin. We can't ever look and point to God and say, well, God, if you're really in control, if you're really sovereign, that that sin and that sin and me choosing that, that's your fault then because, because you're in charge of everything. God just says, no, I'm not. No, you choose to be a rebel. And, and so I do. And, and so do you. Um, but but what he's saying in here is that everything, all that, all that we are and all that we do, God is sovereign over it. Um, he's, he's saying, look, God be, began our life, and, and he's also in a little while going to say that God's going to take it away sometime. God is the one that gives the birth date, and he's also the one that gives the, the death date. Are all deaths the same? No. Are all deaths good? No way. Um, are, are there a lot of deaths that you can look at and say, man, what a tragedy. I mean, you hear about suicides. You hear about people being murdered. You hear about genocide, horrible things. You know? And you say, well, okay, if, if, if their death is in the hand of God, is God to blame for it? No. In many cases, God brings relief to people. It's a mercy that, that even he'll, he'll, he'll bring them out of, out of a horrible situation. In that. And so whoever it is, when, when there's a victim and therefore there's someone who's oppressing them, that person who's doing the sin has all the weight of the sin upon them. Uh, but God is still the one that ultimately gives the birth and gives the death. And, and, uh, and further in, the, in this verse says, Whether it's love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. And this may be a little puzzling the first time that you read it. Um, love or hate, man doesn't know. Both are before him. Um, really, this is a—it's a poetic way of saying, of saying, all right. You don't know where God's favor is. We don't know it. We don't know if God's going to show favor with one person or not show favor with with another. We don't know ultimately with God being the one that that saves. We don't know because I, I I don't choose God and you don't choose God. You know, we're told that there's none good, there's none righteous, there's none that seek Him. God is the one that must birth birth a, a new heart 
within us. Uh, and so if God's in charge of it, um, then, then we don't know how God works that out. It's all, it's all according to who He is. Uh, we don't know it's before, it's before Him. Um, but what we know is we look and, and we see that people are they're treated the same. There's no distinction between the good or the wicked, uh, those who keep the law, those who don't, those who practice religion and those who don't, because they all end up in a place of death. They all end up in a place where they die in the end. Verse 2 goes further. says, it's the same for all since the same event happens to the righteous and the wicked. To the good and the evil. The clean, the unclean. To him who sacrifices. Him who does not sacrifice. As the good one is, so is the sinner. And he who swears as he who shuns an oath. This is an evil that is done under the sun and that the same event happens to all. The same event happens to all. What's that great event that happens to all? It is death. Death. I mean, if you're looking to kind of wrap your head around a, a topic or, um, or a title for today, it's that death is the great leveler. That everybody, everybody stands on the same plane together. That if you were born, you are going to die. Look at the person next to you and say, you're obviously going to die someday. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell by looking at you, you're going to die someday because every one of you were born. Death is the great leveler um, in this life. Now, going further, it says, Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Now, this here is, again, it's, it's telling us a little bit about, about um, the human condition. Um, the, this philosophy professor, Solomon, um, he is, he's telling us that every one of us have, have hearts that are rebellious. Every one of us are, are depraved. We're, we're born that way. We're born broken. Um, and even to the point where he says madness is in their hearts. Don Carson, uh, he, he, just, he, he said that this word of madness, I mean, it just suggests as being wild and being unprincipled uh, in our hearts. Um, Genesis 6, 5 talked a little bit about us being full of evil and being depraved, without God, that is. And said, the Lord saw that the, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. Now we've got, we've got uh, pictures that come up in our mind when we think about a person being evil. You know, you, you think about um, the people that do the most horrendous crimes in our nation or, or around the world to, to one person or, or, or to many. And yet, ultimately... Evil is when you reject God and say, no, no, I, I don't need God. I, I just need me. I don't need a Savior. I don't need morality. I don't need values. I get to decide what morals are. I get to decide what values are, which ultimately just says, I trump you, God. I don't need you. I'm okay. Thank you very much. That, that God looks and He says, that is, that is actually, that's evil and that's, that's wicked. Um, uh, to, God him, to God Himself. It's not the same as when, when evil or wickedness is now transferred to another person, but to God Himself. To basically, to basically say, God, forget you. I don't need you. It's evil. 
and it's wicked. And that's, that's how we're born. That's how we live until our hearts are changed. Verse 4. But he is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. And forever they have no more share in all that is done under the sun. Um, now, it's interesting. The, the people of Palestine uh, in those days, they viewed the lion as the most noble of beasts. And they looked at the dog uh, not like we do. I mean, we, we love dogs, right? How many in here, you guys, you guys have a dog? All right. How many here, you love, love dogs? Would you have a dog or not? All right. And I know some of you guys are cat people, and, and that's all right. We, we're talking about cats a little bit, big cats. But, but, but they didn't like dogs like that. The do- they, loved the lo- they loved the cats back then, all right? But the, the dog at that point was looked at a dirty scavenger. That's how it was. I mean, if you go to other countries, if you've been to been Haiti, if, if, you go to, uh, if you go to East Africa, um, now if you go to Asia, you may not find dogs. Uh, I mean, seriously, uh, you're, you're, you're going to have difficulty finding them because uh, they're on the menu. Um, and um, uh, so, but, but for them, for somebody to say that a live, uh, that a live dog is, is better than a dead lion, you know, he's making a, he's making a huge contrast in here um, about, about what, it, what it means. And, and really to, to, to transfer, to be able to say, it's really not about what's on the outside anyway. Because you can be stately, you can look like you have it all together, you can look like a lion, and yet you can be dead. Or you can realize that, and from their perspective, that really we're all dogs. We're scavengers, we're rebels, and yet there can be, there can be life that's, that's put within us. We're going to come back to that in just a little while. But the, the point the big point that's being made in, in here is that if you're alive, there's hope. Because once death comes, it's, it's a doorway with a double lock on the other side that you can't come back through. I don't care how many books that you've read or how many videos that you've seen about people coming back. You can't come back. You know, Even Lazarus. If you know that story of Jesus re- resurrecting, or excuse me, not resurrecting, if Jesus resuscitating Lazarus and him coming back, there was another death date for Lazarus. He, didn't, he was not resurrected. He was not the first one resurrected. Jesus was. So he died again. We all have a, a death date. And, 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 and verse 5 just, just tells us that, look, the, the truth of the matter is, and we've, we've covered this uh, in, in past uh, teachings, is that the reality is no matter how much you try to build up a name for yourself, no matter how many generations past you you try to provide for, within a matter of years you will be forgotten once you die. Forgotten. The greatest of people, the people that change the world, the people that give millions or billions of dollars away, they may outlast us by a hundred years as far as what people think about them, but Guess what? The vast majority of everybody in the future will not know anything about them. And they certainly won't know much about us. It puts us in our place. Death is the great leveler. We can't make 
a true difference by ourselves. We can't. So to, to sum up the philosophy professor in, in this section here, he basically says, we don't know who God favors because the good and evil both have struggles. Right? You've you been there? At times like, man, I can't stand it when that person that I know, man, I know, I know that he's cheating on his wife. Or I know that he, I know this person is, is uh, uh, man, they're, they're, they're cheating their customers. You, you know that what's going on, and you just see they keep getting accolades and praise, and they get the key to this and the key to that. And, and we complain, it's like, God, you're so unfair. And then we have heaps of troubles, and then it flips on us. We just know good and evil have struggles. Uh, also from, from this section, we just know that that Solomon is saying death is a travesty and death is a mystery. The philosophy professor is telling us that everyone dies and after you die, that you're forgotten. I'm going to share, uh, share with you several things from A.W. Tozer from, from a scattering of his, of his books, um, some of the things that he had to say about, about death. Here's the uh, first one. He says, there's nothing heroic about our passing leaving families and friends, but then death is never heroic and is never kind. Death is never artistic, always much more likely to be crude and messy and humiliating. You guys seen that? I mean, it's, I mean, when you see sometimes I mean, just somebody, their life, it just wham! It just, something happens and they're gone. Just in a matter of minutes or days, you get that call and they're dead. But even when you see people and they slowly go downhill, slowly downhill, either just through old age or sometimes from crippling diseases or other illnesses and how humiliating it is for them and, and even for you as, as you see that and you just, you just hurt, you hurt for them. But if you're alive, there's hope, there's hope. R.C. Sproul Jr., some of y'all know uh, the author and uh, theologian R.C. Sproul, his son, uh, who's also a, a minister, his wife currently has leukemia. And here's something that he said just about a week ago in, in a blog. He says, as my wife continues her valiant fight against leukemia, she too, content she too occasionally asks me to look into my crystal ball. She wants to know if she's going to make it. The doctors don't know, and they're considerably more knowledgeable than I am. So I tell my wife what I do know. Quotes, I don't know if you're going to make it. I don't know if you're going to get well or not. I do know that the day, that that day was appointed before all time. Nothing will make it a day later. Nothing a day earlier. Cancer cannot determine when you go home. Only your father can. Did you hear that? Cancer is not God. It's not sovereign. Car wrecks and accidents are not God. Only God is the one that can decide. He, he went further and said, It's a good and proper thing that I should, and you as well, if you're willing, pray that God would make Denise well. He's talking to us. Amen. Pray for Denise. That He would allow us to grow old together. It is, however, a better thing to pray that I would be a faithful husband to my love and a faithful father to the children He's blessed me with. It is less important, listen, 
It is less important that he, be- God, he believe me and my conviction that the kingdom would be better with her here. It is more important that I believe him and his promise that the gates of hell will not prevail and that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. This train is bound for glory. Now that's, that's a tremendous faith. Especially to say that about your wife who's sick. To be able to say, first, first and foremost, to be able to say, God, you're sovereign. Then to be able to say, now please, you guys pray. Pray. Because God works through prayers. And He does. And, and, and there's, that means if God does work through prayers, that means there are things that don't change when we don't pray. And that's huge. That's weighty. And it's something that we don't need to just leave on the chair when we go home today. There are things that change when we pray. There's things that don't change when we don't pray. So he's saying, pray for Denise and, and pray for God to heal her. But, but in the end, he's just saying, but listen, nobody controls that date except for God himself. And we just know that, that God, in the way that he chooses, if he, is, if he really is God and we really believe that he's as good as he says and we've seen he is, that, that those days of death though not always clouded and surrounded by good circumstances, we can still trust God in what He'll do in and through it. Somebody just say, man, God, help me to trust you. We need to. We need to. We're all going to die. If you have a birth date, you have a death date. There are no immortals living among us. If there were, there could be only one anyway. We... Here's something else from Tozer. No human being, regardless of talent, possessions, and status, has yet won a final victory over the universal sentence of temporality and mortality. Temporality says you must go, and mortality says you must die. And what he's speaking of there, the temporality of you must go, speaking back to the day of Adam and Eve, that when they rebelled and sinned against God, that God said, you must go. You are, you are away from my presence. You are away from my, from my blessing. You have rebelled against me. And all of us are in a place where we've gone and we're separated from God uh, if our hearts have not been changed by Him, if we've not received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And all of us will die, Christians and non-Christians alike. Every one of us will die. Hebrews 9.27 says this, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. The writer of Hebrews wants wants us to know, God wants us to know, look, that you will die. And if if once once you die, once we die, we are are in the presence of of the Lord. And uh, there's a judgment that that comes at that point. So uh, let's let's get really simple. Let's get to ABC levels for, for just a minute of what is an unbeliever. What is actually a, a non-Christian? Simply, a, a non-Christian, an unbeliever, is someone who does not believe that Jesus was God or is God. It's someone who does not believe that He died on the cross and rose again from the dead. A non-Christian or an unbeliever is someone that thinks that they do not need Jesus Christ to forgive them and save them. Just at a very simplistic level, those things. Don't believe that Jesus is God don't believe that he died on the cross and rose again from the dead. Don't believe that they need him to forgive them 
and save them. I, now, there's plenty of spiritual people who, who give a lot of kudos to, to the historical or the mythical Jesus. Um, it's like, yeah, man, I like Jesus. I like what he taught. I could follow him, follow, follow his ways. But don't believe that he's God. Don't believe he actually physically died on the cross and physically rose from the dead. And don't think that he, they need him to forgive them and save them of their sins. It's only when we come to that place where we just say, white flag, I surrender, you know. I mean, y'all know this. I mean, when, when people... When a robber comes up, you know, instantly people, they, they, they do this and say, I, I surrender because you're, you're helpless. It shows I have no more weapons. I've got no way that I can attack you. you. You can now do whatever it is that you want to me because I'm defenseless. I, I, can't, I can't do anything else good for myself. Whatever happens next is up to the person you're surrendering to. And that is what every one of us has got to Come to a place and do. So I surrender. I surrender, Jesus. Romans 6.23 talks about the payment that takes place because of our sin. It says, for the wages of sin is death. You guys just say that after me. For the wages of sin is death. Wages. What, what, what are wages? Somebody help me out here. What, what, what are wages? Somebody tell me. Something you earn, absolutely, all right? So it's payment, it's, it's merit, it's something that, that you get. And so it's like he's, he's saying to us, in our life, in our broken lives, in this broken world, broken people in a broken world, um, that this life that we live to where we're in control and God is not, we reject God, that walking through life that way, that if we walk through our entire life that way and we get to death, there is a wage, there's a payment that comes from, from living our life rejecting Jesus Christ, all right? And it's, and it's death, and it's not just a physical death, but it's a spiritual death. It's two deaths that take place in our life. Somebody said, look, you can either choose to have, you can either choose to have um, one life and two deaths, or you can have two deaths and one life. Those who reject Jesus Christ, they, uh, they have... They have a, a life, and they've got a death here on earth, and they've got a spiritual death separated from God uh, for, forever. Those, those who are, are Christians, you have, a, you, have, you have life here, and then you have a, a death, and then you have life forever lasting you know, with, with Jesus Christ if you surrender to Him. But if you don't, the payment comes as a death, as a separation forever and ever. But there's a but right in the middle of that, Romans 6.23. But the free gift of God is eternal, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's such a contrast in there. Because God says, look, if you want to get paid, if you want justice, if you want to get paid for and earn, get all that you earn, I'll give it to you. But all you're going to get is death. But instead, if you'll give up works, if you'll give up trying to be in control of your own life and trying to be your own Savior and find hope yourself and find pleasure yourself and find meaning yourself, which we never do, He says, instead, I'll give you a free gift. It's eternal life, and it's with me. Our sin is our rebellion against God. It separates us from Him. And if we die without His forgiveness, listen to me, if we die never surrendering to Christ, we die separated forever 
in a place of punishment called hell. It's a very real place. And just to kind of kick down some of y'all's concepts of it, Satan is not in charge. The demons are not in charge. When all the time comes, it's God Himself that He will be the punisher of all. Satan and his demons included, and every other rebel who all their life, that they went to death saying, no way, Jesus, I can do it myself. A very real, called, real place called hell. But God doesn't, he doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want mankind to go to hell. And so He's come, and he became, he became a person that's what Advent season is. And we talked about last week how, uh, um, I think it was Wayne Grudem uh, said it, that it's, uh, oh, we, oh we, we talked about it in our journey group the other, the other night, that Wayne Grudem said that, that uh, the, in, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is the greatest of all miracles. That the resurrection of, of Christ is not the greatest miracle. Even the creation of the universe is not the greatest miracle. But it's that that God, which is eternal and infinite, could actually become one of His creations and still not lose any of His, de- his deity. It's the greatest, the craziest of all the miracles. is that God came. What does Emmanuel mean? Some of you guys know. God is with us. He is. Guys, Jesus is here right now. He is here. And He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. And he's just saying, look, I love you this much. It's like the, like the uh, that little painting that mom put on my wall when I was a kid. and just said, uh, I asked Jesus how much she loved me. And he said, I love you this much. And he stretched out his arms and he died. That's how much God loves us. He became. We couldn't become God, so God became one of us. It's tremendous. Doesn't, he doesn't want you to go to hell. Listen to His voice. If you're an unbeliever in here, if you're a person that has not surrendered to Christ, listen to His voice. He's calling your name today. He loves you. He's come to rescue you. He loves you. John 3.16 talks, talks about this. It says that for God so loved the world. They're saying now God, talking about the Father, the Father of Jesus. Both God. Father's God. Jesus is God. Holy Spirit's God. But yet there are three different personas and we don't fully understand that how that works but the father's not god jesus is i mean father's not jesus jesus is not the father holy spirit's not jesus and not not the father but altogether they're god when he's talking here god talking about the father so god the father so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life that perish shouldn't have would not have that wouldn't have that second death would not have to have that separation. God's just say, saying to some today, whether in this room or listening to this sometime in the future, just saying, I love you so much, you don't have to perish. I, I gave my life for you. 1 John 5, 9-13. Check this out. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. So now, we've got God the Father talking about Jesus. Let's see what He has to say. Whoever believes in the Son has the testimony in Himself. Whoever does not believe God has made Him a liar because He's not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning His Son. And so what is the testimony? 
And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you that you who believe in the name of the Son of God may know that you have eternal life. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever doesn't have the Son does not have life. I hope that you're in here today and you're like, I've got Jesus only because Jesus has got me. But you know, but, but then you say, but I know I got Him because He's got me. Don't look at it saying, well, I, I think that I have Jesus. I hope, I hope so. I hope He's holding on to me. If that's the case, if that's what you're thinking, you either, you've got some screwy theology because you don't understand how Jesus works, or you may never have come to a place of full repentance and place your faith in Christ. And regardless, you know what the answer is? Surrender. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Christ. I, I, believe, I believe that somebody is going to be saved today. I believe that God is going to make somebody a, a daughter or, or a son today. And uh, I don't know. I mean, is, is there anybody in here who's like, man, God's moving so much in my heart right now. I, I just... I, I just I just want you to know I'm, I I think God's I think God's moving me towards that I think I'm coming to a place where I'm supposed to tot- surrender to Christ today. Is there anybody in here? Just kind of just kind of do this. I mean, anybody? Awesome. Well, see the thing is is that death is something horrifying if you don't have hope for eternity. If if you don't have a belief in the afterlife. Um, you may be a good person. There's, there's plenty of agnostics and atheists um, who can and should be friends with you and you with them, and they can be greater philanthropists than, than you and what, what they do. But there's no ultimate hope because it's like, but there's, just, there's a wall they're coming to, and to them it's, just, it's over. And there's no real hope within that. But for those who be- believe in an afterlife, then, then you, gotta, I mean, you come to a fork in the road. It's like if you believe this, if you believe there is a, a long-term heaven or hell or whatever you, you call it, then something is, has got has to change. Something has to happen to make sure that, that you get the, the high road, right? Something has got to change. Well, for Christians, when they look at death, it doesn't have the same, the same sting. It's lost. It's lost its sting. Um, A.W. Tozer said this. He said... Uh, Talking about a, a young pastor, and I remember, I remember young in my pastoral days about 11 years ago that this could have been me really easily. He said, a very young minister was called to the bedside of an elderly woman who'd obviously, who had obviously but a few hours left in this world. The bishop admitted that he was badly frightened, but the old saint was completely relaxed and radiantly happy. He tried to commiserate with her and muttered something about how sorry he was that she had to die, but she wouldn't hear of any such talk. I just hear an old lady saying this, Why, God bless you, young man. There's nothing to be scared about. I'm just going to cross over Jordan in a few minutes, and my father owns the land on both sides of the river. The lady knew. She's like, look, 
She's, I mean, she's, she's comforting the pastor. She's like, it's okay, son. Here, let me pray for you, baby. You know, I mean, can't, can't you just see that? It's going to be all right. Jesus has got me, and he's right, he's right there. There's, there's hope, and there's peace, and I'm ready. And it's neat when you, when you, meet, when you meet elderly Christians, you know, and you just, a lot of times in their health does start to fail them, and they just, they just have this hope, and they're just like, oh, I can't wait to be with God. And I can't wait to be with, with my wife that passed on or my, my, my daddy or, or, or my son or, or whatever it is. And just, they're just, they're, they're, hopefully that lost hope, there's still a joy and a thrust for life. But at the same time, it's like I'm looking forward to something that's even better. Something even better. Philippians 1 talks about this. Starting in verse 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. All right? So he's under huge oppression, imprisonment. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by what? Life or by death. For to me, listen, listen closely. You've probably heard this before, but listen to it. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's like, what? What the heck does that mean? Well, he explains it. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. That means if I'm to continue to live, it means I've got an opportunity to glorify God by being on his mission. Yet, which, shall, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better. And it is. It is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the greatest thing when when Christians are with God forever and ever, because we finally get to shed off all the stupid, rebellious attitudes that I and you have that causes us nothing but problems. We'll shed it. We'll never rebel against Him again. And we'll, 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 live, we'll live the way we were created to be. I mean, listen, you, the, the greatest excitement you've had in your life, the greatest joy that you've had in your life, the thrills that you've had in life if you're a, an adrenaline junkie, the greatest moments of, of pleasure in your life are just tastes of what eternity with God Himself is going to be like. So it's going to be far better when the time comes. But don't check out. You don't check out. Don't, don't withdraw from the world and from the mission. He's saying, but as a result, we engage into the mission. As a result of knowing, knowing that death is hard for those that aren't believers, but for those that are believers, death is going to be victorious, and it is coming, but God holds it, so therefore, God, God has me, and He's got my life, and so I can live. I can truly, truly live. It doesn't matter if you follow in your dad's or mom's footsteps of whatever genetic disease that they have, that you say, I will not be hindered from anything. God holds me. And whether it's later on this afternoon that I go, or whether it's 50 years from now, or 80 years from now, it's like, God, I want to live for You. I want to live for Your glory. I want to live for Your mission. He, he, he says this, verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. That, 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 means, that means community and it means mission. It means God keeps us around because He wants us to bless one another. He wants us to serve one another. He wants us to love one another. And He wants us to invite others into the family. Don't check out. 
convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all with you all for your progress and the joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. If we die as a Christian, it's gain, you guys. If we live as Christians, it's for His mission and for His glory. Ultimately, all of our lives, which includes our death, can be for God's glory. Tozer talked about Brother Lawrence. and If you haven't read his small book of uh, Practicing the Presence of God, it is an unbelievable book that you need to buy for yourself for Christmas. Um, how many of y'all have read, read that book, Brother Lawrence, uh, by Brother Lawrence? All right, how many of y'all that rocked your world and it just really was formed? See, all right, like 100%, 100%. Great book. Here's one of the things Tozer said. There was Brother Lawrence, the man who practiced the presence of God. He would not pick up a straw from the ground, but for the love of God. When he was dying, they said, what are you doing, Brother Lawrence? And he said, I'm doing what I plan to do throughout all eternity. Worship God. When I die, I won't change my occupation. I've just been worshiping God for 40, day, 40 years on earth. And when I get to heaven, I'll just keep right on doing what I'm doing. God made us. That's, that's our vocation. That's what our life is, is to, to glorify God, to worship God in everything that we do. And so for Christians, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life that glorifies God. And we can finish well. We can. We can finish well. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8 says this, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So this is Paul. And he's saying, look, I'm getting close to the end. My, my time, I, I don't have a lot of time left. But here's what he says. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And some of you guys, you just go, eh, you just dismiss that. Because you're like, oh, that's Paul. Paul is a superhero. Paul is like, you know, almost God. No, he wasn't. Paul lived this out through the same power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you Christians. Right within you. He says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. God, guys, God, uh, God doesn't want you to be afraid of death. Well, let me take that back. If you're an unbeliever in here, if you're one of my non-Christian friends in here, welcome. It's so good, good to have you. We love you. Let's continue walking together. Let's go grab coffee. Let's talk more about Jesus. Death should scare the crap out of you. It should. But for you Christians, death should not scare you. I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to die. Uh, again, I remember at the age of thir- 33 how that changed me thinking about my father, but also at the age of 33 it changed me because I was like, this is the year that Jesus died. This is the age that Jesus was at when he, when he died. Christians, if you, if you died today, what regrets would you have? What what is it that the 
you'd look and, and you'd, if, if you knew it's done, would you say, I'm just so sorry that I didn't do this for God and for His glory and for His mission? Or, or, who, or even, you know, who is it that did, you'd say, you know what, I, I'm so sorry I haven't asked forgiveness from this one person. I'm so sorry I haven't given forgiveness, extended grace, grace to this one person in my life. What is it? What is it? Uh, if, you, if you believe that Jesus holds your death and that death will be gained, but, but it's even greater for you to live for Christ right now, then what risks are you supposed to be taking with your life right now and in the next year and two years and five years? What kind of risks are you supposed to take for God and for His glory and for His mission? What kind of things are you supposed to lay on the line to say, God, I don't own anything uh, that, that are around me. I don't even own my own life or health. So God, do with me whatever you want to do. Are you willing to just say, are you willing to, to let go of whatever your idols are or whatever the things that you hold on to say, that's why I'm important. Just say, God, take it all. Whatever it is, and you just do with me whatever. God wants to reveal some things to you guys today. Now, finally, just as we end today, I just declare that God wants somebody to, somebody want to follow Christ today. He wants somebody to turn to, turn to Him. Um, and if it's, if it's you, man, surrender to Christ. If you're an unbeliever, if you've never come to a place where you said, okay, I believe that, but now I'm surrendering. I'm giving everything I am. Let today be the day. Let today be the day.